when you take your income, it's always going to be income minus length minus shares. Oh. Minuses. So was this Martin Wallace? Yes, I said Martin yeah, Wallace. Right. I will only allow you the most incremental of gains in one mistake, <laughs> and I will take away all of your money, and you'll be paralyzed for the rest of the game. And shame. Mom. You must wear the shame hat. <laughs> the shame conductor hat in this Ooh. game. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we fire the fast fryer and speed our way to becoming the most popular provender provider in Food Truck Champion. Next, we're cutthroat pioneers blazing an iron trail across the plains in Age of Steam. And lastly, the metaphors fly as we squeeze big concepts into little words with In a Pickle. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein. I cast dice. I've cast lines. I wore a cast once. And of course, I podcast. I'm Ed Povolaitis. There's no going back. The die is cast. I'm Mike Grenier, and how did I end up with this crazy cast of characters? (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Hey, everybody. The end of the year is fast approaching. And which game first is going to be looking back at 2019 with a special celebration episode. It's going to be our second annual Firsties Awards show. Some of the exciting categories will include Best Meeple Game, Best Strategy Game, and of course, the worst game of the year. And starting this year, we invite you, the Witch Game First listeners, to name the nominees. What was your favorite game we reviewed? Which game did you think should have been buried? Tell us your thoughts. You can find all the categories at our Facebook page, Witch Game First. Enter your nominations at that thread and cast your vote by category. It's that easy. And don't forget, ratings, reviews, Facebook posts, tweets. Mike, pick it up from there. Instas, dog tags with our logo on them. <laughs> Articles, shout outs, mention us down at the local gaming store or the Taco Bell. Pass it along, please. Now on to the show. Our first game up this week is Food Truck Champions. Designed by Nicole Jekic and Luke Terpanen. Published by Daily Magic Games in 2017. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up. Playtime, 60 minutes. Okay, when we ordered this game up to go, what were our first thoughts? Ed? High-speed food service. Will this be as exciting as a race? Evan? Why do food trucks always smell so good? Whomever came up with the idea of a mobile restaurant is a genius. Mike? I don't care what else happens. All I want to do is be the owner of Los Tacos del Muerte. (laughs) (laughs) I would eat there. (laughs) I would. Before this game, I never thought about awards being important to a food truck, but now it seems so obvious. (laughs) But before we serve up this interview with a side of fries, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Food Truck Champion, you are the owner of a new food truck eager to make your mark with great food and fast service. Hire staff, shop for the best ingredients, and prepare tasty dishes to complete orders and earn critical awards. Each completed order gives you a popularity token that allows you to expand one of the areas of your truck. At the end of the day, the owner with the most popularity is declared the food truck champion. Now, it doesn't come with, like, three-dimensional trucks, but what does it come with? It does come with a three-dimensional truck. It does? Yeah. The current first player token is a truck meeple. Oh, 
Cool. That you share among all the players. Yeah, you drive it around to each player when it's their turn to, to keep track of that. And it's a cute little food truck. Oh, that is awesome. So when it drives to you and you take your turn, what do you have in front of you? Uh, there's a little placard, which is kind of like your truck. Um, and it shows what your specialties are and a couple of different uh, metrics that you keep track of to see, for example, how many people work for your truck or how much food you can store in your refrigerator or how many recipes you can have going at the same time. You also have a handful of cards and each card has three possible functions. One as an ingredient, one as a staff member, and the other is the order you want to fill. Yep. And collecting those staff members is the strategy I went for first, because for each staff member you have, if somebody else takes the same kind of action that that staff member takes, you can take that action for free when your turn comes around. It didn't take me long to realize Mike was on the right track there, and I followed his lead. Mm -hmm. I started putting in the right people in the positions. Well, free actions are always a cool thing. Right. They do give you free actions effectively. You basically will play a staff member out of your hand, and that's the kind of action that you can take and that other people can follow if either they have the same staff member in their hand to play or if they have one that's already permanently on their staff. Now, when do you start cooking? When's the yummy food come in? <laughs> that's like the last thing to happen is cooking something. <laughs> so there are five types of actions. Driver, which allows you to move an ingredient from the marketplace to your fridge. The cashier that allows you to move an order ticket from the marketplace to your plating area. The manager, which allows you to move a staff member to the marketplace to your higher staff. The prep cook, which moves an ingredient from your fridge onto the order ticket. And then the executive chef play an ingredient from your hand into the order ticket. Now, do you need all these guys to make a successful food truck? Not necessarily. I think you do. And if so, how do they all fit in the truck? <laughs> <laughs> you also have an owner card and his special ability that he can do all the tasks. He wears all the hats. Yeah, let's say you don't have a cashier. You can use your owner card to be that cashier for that particular round. As long as you took an action to put it into your hand. So if the owner is in the truck, mm -hmm. uh, can he do more than one thing? He can't do anything from the truck. You actually have to pick him up from the truck and put him in your hand. And then when you play him, he's a wild card, basically, for so any other So it takes staff. basically twice as long to get the owner into your hand because it does take an extra action to do that. But he becomes a wild card in that he can replicate any of the functions that any of the staff members do. I love the looks of these trucks and that you get to pick your own food truck look. Yeah. Right? Because these cards, each card that you put in front of you has a different truck. Um, yeah, the trucks have different themes to them, which is cool. Like I said, I did I did get to play Los Tacos del Muerte. Which, by the way, uh, looks like the highest end truck in the market. It does. <laughs> it is. It's like a really slick, huge RV. Whereas if you're playing Lady Josephine's, it's essentially a 1920s open buggy. Yeah, it is. Not all trucks are the same. I don't even see where they're cooking in that thing. You're not. I imagine you're just serving drinks. I don't know. I think they're at pastry shop. I don't know. <laughs> I like the urban garden. Get it? Herbin. Has a herb garden on the roof. Oh, that was me. Thank you. Yep. And Soul Sisters. S-O-L Sisters. Mm -hmm. And Bear Burgers. B-E-A-R. Bear Burgers. Yeah, that's the one I was playing. 
which is two guys wearing like pink hats and stuff and they're bigger dudes so the pun is there (laughs) (laughs) guys i got a question if i played this game which i unfortunately did not get the opportunity to do would it have made me hungry Yes. 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 I was hungry. Yeah, I was hungry the second I picked up my tu- my truck. Red flag. <laughs> it's becoming a problem playing all these food games that we've been reviewing as we've all gained like three pounds. So Jackie, let's take a card from here and satisfy one of the things. All right, I'm going to place an ingredient here for my love potion salad, which is the fruit. Are you ready for what I'm going to do? Did I give you an epic win? Oh, I'm talking to Mike. I think I'm going to do... Yeah, what are you going to do, Ed? Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Each truck has, like, four a set of four ingredients that they're looking for the most. Um, So, like, cheese, dairy, meat, etc. My truck didn't specialize in meat or seasonings, and I was a taco truck. What? But I had two cheeses. (laughs) (laughs) Two cheeses. Are you sure you weren't a nacho truck? (laughs) Ed, was your specialty the the meat? Did you need extra meat in order to get those bonus points? Yeah, I got meat in the bear burgers. Of course I did. So obviously they had to break it up among the six different trucks that were available. Each one needed its own unique set of special ingredients to earn those bonus points. Meat had to go to the burgers, Mike. So you were stuck with the cheese. I get it. So Evan triggered the end of the game. I did. Literally the turn before, I was about to get nine points. <gasps> and to let you guys know how much nine is, the end score, the highest score, I think was like 25. Wow. Yeah, I wiped out like a third of your point total. How was he able to end the game? Popularity tokens are three stacks of these tokens. And when two stacks run out, the game ends. I love this idea that the way to win a food truck game is with awards. I love this. (laughs) Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes so much sense in today's world where everything is rated. That would matter a lot. Yeah. It's all about the Yelp reviews. And it's better than calling them victory points, I guess. The basic mechanics of this game is very similar to some other games I played, like Glory to Rome, where one player plays an action. And if you have the same type of action or a staff card already in play with that, you get to follow along. Otherwise, you draw cards. Which is the only way to get cards back in your hand is to take actions to draw two cards. So then there are opportunities when it's not your turn to still do things and get things. Yeah. If you can't follow along, you're you're getting resources. Yep. You can either pick up your manager card or you can draw two cards off the top of the deck. Right. Working on your food orders or stacking up your refrigerator or or your sir, or your staff. But if you have a matching staff member, you can also play another of the same matching staff member, take that action twice, or split your action up by taking the staff member action that matches the one that was played and draw two cards also. So Evan, does that keep the game moving? Absolutely. I felt involved every step of the way, even when it wasn't directly my turn. Yeah, the decisions come quick. Am I going to follow or I'm going to save that card for later to use it as an ingredient and therefore... Maybe I'll just take some more cards for more options. One thing I noticed about this game that some games like this fall into is too much balance. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but every single thing has to be evenly distributed throughout the game. So it kind of feels all the same in a way. Yeah, so no sense of that thing that I love, which is custom victory points. Yeah, there was nothing custom to my truck. Like Me being a taco truck was just exactly the same as Ed being Bear Burger. I see what you're saying, Mike. You wanted something where you wanted to add the special dash of super seasoning and get the extra two <laughs> bonus points for having done just that because that's what your truck is allowed to do. 
Exactly. I know it's harder to balance a game that way to feel fair, but it's also, in a game like this, to me, it would seem more fun. Unique powers are a very hard thing to balance, but what what's different about everybody was not just their name, but the ingredients they needed to have in their completed order stack in order to score bonus points were different for every truck. You wanted cheese in your taco, and I wanted bread for my burgers. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury food truck champion. Evan? I enjoyed this resource management card game. The theme was fun, but I can only wonder how many times I could play it before the theme wears a bit thin. That aside, I will serve it up. Ed? The game uses a familiar mechanic for action, but makes you choose which areas of the truck you want to expand. This adds just enough to order this up as a light filler game. Mike? This is a solid game, but I'm not sure how many times I can find this game spicy. But for now, I'll dig it up. Mike, where can you find this game? You can find it at select game stores and online. Runs for about 20 bucks. If you have thoughts about Food Truck Champion, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up is Age of Steam, designed by Martin Wallace, and we played the new Deluxe Edition by Eagle Griffin Games, published in 2019. Number of players 1 to 6, ages 13 and up, playtime 120 minutes. When Ed Freight hopped off the last stop and unfurled his red polka dot bindle to reveal this game, (laughs) what were our first thoughts? Bravo. Wow. Very good. That was a mouthful. And it evoked an image. Evan? I'll be playing on the railroad all the live long night. Mike? All right. What's the twist that's going to make this train game stand out above the rest? Ed? Just move cube to the cities of the same color. This should be easy, right? The substantial oversized game box and the solid materials of the vast amount of components certainly reflects the epic theme of the game. But Before we punch the ticket on this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Age of Steam, players relive the era when pioneering railroads built the tracks that transformed the world as steam-belching iron horses roar across the land. The cutthroat action will challenge you to finance both the most extensive track network and the most powerful locomotives, beat the opposition to the most lucrative shipments, and earn enough money to pay your aggressive creditors. Pay now, buddy. Yeah, and they are aggressive, right, Mike? Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that. Do they come with their baseball bats? Oh, yeah. yeah. Martin Wallace always brings the baseball bats. <laughs> the game ends after a set number of turns, and the player with the most profit and the best network of tracks wins. Yay! Chugga, 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 chugga. Oh, Martin Wallace, you devil. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, do you have something to say there? Oh, he knows. I'm sure he's heard my reviews, which are spreading across the nation about Martin Wallace's game. Faster than his railroad. Faster than the railroads. (laughs) Recap what you love or don't love about Martin Wallace games. Well, in real life, you have to pay so many taxes and fines, and Martin Wallace just brings that to the next level in his games. If reality's not enough, play it in a game. (laughs) play it but worse in a game (laughs) like he he has three different ways in this game for you to be in debt have attrition and get fined and lose money three different ways (laughs) so three different ways to go backwards in this game and only barely one way to go forward right but is that 
key to the theme of building these railroads across the nation? I think it is, honestly. Sure, absolutely. It's appropriate, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a super cutthroat game. The components in this new deluxe edition. Tell me all about it. I didn't get to play, but I did get to lift that box. <laughs> and I got to open it up and look at all the fantastic stuff in there. Uh, the components feel great. Uh, cardboard tiles have a nice heft to them. They're thick, and the graphics are very clean on them. There's a little bit like a linen texture and everything as well. This game comes with multiple boards that you can play double-sided so that you can play a region of, say, the, Mid the Midwest America, or you can go to Europe and play there, or you can go to, well, I don't know if the outback of Australia <laughs> had a map, but you get the idea. Lots of different scenarios and just a ton, ton of options. And if you don't want to play with the lame circle meeples, this edition came with awesome looking little train meeples. Ooh, train meeples. And they were wooden? Yes, of course they were wooden. Well, I suppose they could be metal minis you could paint. Oh my God. <laughs> but it does come with little poker chips. Tiny Ooh. little poker chips. Yes, clay chips. Yep. And the reason they use uh, clay chips is for the ease of moving around currency, right? Uh, yes, I mean, but most of the time you just paying it to the bank, honestly, as Mikey alluded yeah, to. True. There's a lot of payments <laughs> here, but... Yeah, and they, they had the nerve to print a 25-point chip that you just stare at the whole game wishing you could ever achieve it. Well, and the last round you do achieve it. You do. You do. And the, the, but it's the last round of a, of a two-hour game. I think Ed got one second to last round, and so did I, because I cashed in all my smaller chips just to get one, <laughs> and then I immediately had to break it for change because uh, my income dropped by uh, four points, and I had to pay rent on my trains. Mike, you didn't turn a profit until more than halfway through this game. Yeah, I, I was one of the first people to turn a profit, and it was turn three. <laughs> round three, I should say. But what I did get lucky at was that I picked two locations that were close to each other that both had blue cubes and both had blue stations so I could cash in really quickly. All right. So you used shortest track to, to move the ideal cubes to make that cash early. It didn't end up being a good long-term decision, but it really helped me in the early game. Now, the basic mechanic of this game is really simple. There are cities with cubes that are populated on the board randomly, and this game comes with a nice felt bag to dump in your cubes Ooh. with. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Pick bag. Pick bag. Uh, so all you have to do is take a, get a cube of, say, a red cube and move it to a, a red city, and you'll get income for every hop it has to make along the way. Awesome. <laughs> Problem is you'll make this nice cube plan. Hey, Evan, that was my blue cube. What are you doing? <laughs> Ah, uh, sorry, I needed that blue cube as well, Ed. Maybe next time. Yeah, that almost put me in a bankruptcy his first move. So this game can be extremely cutthroat. Very. I mean, you could always dig your way out of bankruptcy by selling your shares off, but then, you know, those equal negative victory points at the end of the game if you keep selling them. And there's no way to pay those loans back. So the first option you have at the beginning of every turn is decide how many shares you want to issue. And that gets you money, five bucks per share. The problem is that's going to come off your income every turn for the rest of the game. Yep. <laughs> it's effectively taking a loan from a bank and you're paying interest throughout the rest of the game for that loan. Oof. The longer you can hold off on those loans, the better. But also you want to have money early so you can get your lines going as quickly as possible. So right. How else do you get money unless you sell the shares to get the money to build the track? So it's like, <laughs> They start you off at a deficit, basically, because you don't have any track and you already have debts coming in. <laughs> yep. 
You guys just spent a lot of time talking about how frustrating this game is. Was it exciting and interesting to play? Or was it just frustrating? No, I wouldn't say exciting, but (laughs) I thought it was a really well-balanced game. And it was tight. What did you absolutely love about it? The relief from torture when you finally get a profit is a really good feeling. (laughs) It's like paying off your credit card. For me, I I really love the competitiveness of this game. Long-term planning is very well rewarded in this game. Yeah. I remember several games of this where everybody is basically punching each other in the gut the (laughs) whole game long, and you're struggling to get that that cube because everybody's see the profit potential in that cube so you're racing to get it and score it before somebody else does or you're gonna go into debt and you're also bidding for first player as well so that's one of the things that gets really competitive especially towards the end of the game because money doesn't mean anything in the very end of the game yeah the one thing i think you spend a lot of money on now almost unintentionally is bidding for turn order there's special actions you can choose each turn and you everybody's fighting to be able to pick the one they really want and only the person who goes first is allowed to have their choice then once they choose that option is eliminated for the people who come after and so is that to mimic the race of building rails different companies building rails across the midwest like who gets to these towns first who gets to these big cities first is going to make the most profit yeah, that's a big part of it because whoever built track there first they own that track no one else can build in that spot. Now, you can use other people's track, but you're just giving them basically the points for moving across their track. Yeah, you're going to rent their track? <laughs> no thanks. I totally welcome you to use, uh, use my track to uh, Chicago there, Mikey. I have no problem with it. Ching, ching. <laughs> so, yeah, and when you move those goods, it doesn't give you money right away, but it gives you a higher income rating so that when the turn comes around to get your income, you have a higher number. Uh, the downside is if you go up in the income too fast, you start to get attrition. So Ed is certainly our biggest train game player. Did he have an advantage because of that here? I had a huge advantage just because having played this game against other people in a highly competitive game, I know already how important long-term planning was. So even though I got punched in the face early on by Evan... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I managed to uh, find a long-term strategy that allowed me to just eke out a win. Yeah, if I had not ha- hamstrung you early, your victory would have been epic. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing almost to the point where Mike and I may not have wanted to review this game. <laughs> so I made, it a, I made it revealable. I did it for the sake of the show. And that's one of the things I love about this game where you can, you can get hurt, but you can find a way to like crawl your way back up this game does not hold your hand you could go bankrupt in this game so to actually survive the game seems important to me yeah ed's solution was just to dump a bunch of stocks on the market early and he was paying that debt off for a longer time but that boost of money helped him get back in the game so you could be out of the game early oh yes you can go bankrupt yeah might have been a strategy i tried for Once you move goods, every time you move a good based on your link, mm-hmm. um, your income will go up. Then you're going to get income in- equal to where, where your train is on the spot. Mm-hmm. Then you have to pay expenses based on the size of your link and how many shares yeah, there are. Right. Then you do income reduction. I'm if you different. get past the 20. Oh my God, it starts yeah. dragging you down again. 
You're getting here? It starts killing me. Stop. So you can't like you can't raise those corporate profits. Yeah, they're gonna tax you. Basically, it's, it's, it's his like version. A tax. It's his version of the catch-up mechanism. It's effectively it's brutal. It's, that's right. It's effective. It's effectively a progressive tax. Yeah, think of it that way. Oh, yep. God, it's freaking horrible. Oh, this guy does not want you to ever feel successful. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'm pulling ahead. You can actually go bankrupt in this game. If you run out of money and out of income, mm. where your income goes below zero because you don't have money to pay the bills, right. you are bankrupt. So Martin Wallace decided he'd add player elimination to this. Okay, great. <laughs> Age of Steam is considered the most cutthroat of these Steam games. And there's actually several other versions from Martin Wallace that are a little more friendly. Steam, I know it's a very different name. The game called Steam <laughs> is more friendly. There's also the Railroad Tycoon game, based off the uh, the name of that computer game that fail famous. Mm-hmm. The Railways of the World. There's even, as a joke, uh, Mayfair put out, Martin Wallace's totally renamed train game. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the kind of clout that I could publish a joke named game. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Age of Steam. Evan? I'm not as big a fan of the rail games as others on this show, (coughs) (coughs) but this one had a lot of elements that made it enjoyable, not the least of which was its ease of understanding the rules. It doesn't need to be overtly complex to be enjoyable. Dig it up. Mike? So I may have ranted a bit about this game, but I have to admit Martin Wallace makes a well-balanced and intuitive game here, Um, so I have to say I'll dig it up. Ed? I'm a fan of rail games. No. And wallet games. So I'm already predisposed to love this game. This version of Steam does not hold your hand and can be very cutthroat. And it's very beautifully produced. Dig her up. Where can you find it, Ed? The original version of this game has been out of print for a while. But a new deluxe edition will be in stores soon. Running for about $70. If you have thoughts about Age of Steam, let us know. Chug on over to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at which game first. Choo choo! All aboard! Our last game up is In a Pickle, designed by Joyce Johnson and Colleen McCarthy Evans. Published by Game Right 2004. Number players 2 to 6, ages 10 and up. Playtime 20 minutes. Okay, when we found this game inside of tinfoil that was inside of a microwave that was inside of a nightmare, (laughs) what were our first thoughts? Evan? Hey, if this is anything like pickles to penguins, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Ed? Are we trying to put this pickle between a rock and a hard place? Hmm. Mike? The box isn't really telling me anything. Are we going to have to come up with some clever ways to escape a sticky situation? This game is about trying to fit words inside other words using subjective meanings for those words. (laughs) I hope we are in the mood to argue. (laughs) But before our listeners start to think this game is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, Evan, tell us how it's played. Does a sofa fit in a shopping cart? Within a pickle, it all depends on how you size it up in this game of creative thinking and outrageous scenarios. Try to win a set of cards by fitting smaller things into bigger things. A baby goes in a bathtub, which is in a house, in Hollywood. Play the fourth word card to claim a set unless one of your opponents can trump with a larger word. The player with the most sets, or tricks, at the end is the winner. After hearing that, does anybody know why they call it 
in a pickle other than the word in? And that's the crux of the game, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) The crux of the game is how you're going to use each word. Right. If you want to put pickle right ahead of marriage, you could say my marriage fits in a pickle. The physical pickle, no. The metaphorical or conceptual pickle, yes. And if your significant other happened to be nearby, you may be in a pickle if you're talking about marriage. And uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I did think that the mix of having physical objects and concepts gave you at least an opportunity to be creative. I would have hoped so. I think that opens the rules to a level that you could do practically anything you want to do in this game when it comes right down to it. <laughs> and that's the real problem for me is that when you make a competitive game and also have it based on people's subjective judgments, there's just potential for fistfights in a game like that. It is a recipe for disaster. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) It's fine in a co-op game if you want to get subjective, but if you're in a game where you're trying to win things, it's just, they should have called this in an argument. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're just trying to argue your way into taking a pile. I'm going to try something here, guys. I don't think anything can be bigger than this. Okay. Hope. Hope. (laughs) No. So you have to play something bigger than hope. We have a right to challenge this. You can challenge it, which I may. I'm prepared to defend hope. Okay. I have something bigger than hope, Celeste. Yeah, good luck with that. I do. It's easy. How big is hope? Well, it's bigger than whatever you've got in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent way of putting it. If you play the only way, I'll pass then, because you talked me out of it. All right. The concept is not that bad. It can be fun to try to take a concept like hope and say, oh, this has got to be bigger than anything, right? I didn't mind the discussions, yeah. And then say, well, and then we're saying, well, hope is just a part of a marriage. It's one of the many feelings that marriage involves, so it fits in a marriage, right? The problem then lies in the rule that basically allows a player to challenge mm-hmm. With no penalty for challenging and losing. Right. And you really only need to convince, in some cases, one other person that your challenge is valid. Oh, yeah. For any reason. The, the, the challenge really doesn't even have to be valid. You just have to convince one other person to basically say, hey, screwing this person will give uh, me an advantage or you an advantage. Therefore, we should vote against it. Okay, so let's vote this down. Especially in a four-player game where... You only need one person to convince, and ties go to the person that's not making the challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, which makes the voting not mechanically sound for the game. Correct. Because you're not going to vote the way you feel. You're going to vote the way it gives you the best advantage. So I'm going to vote against Mike if I get another chance to grab that pile because I voted against him. Right. Even if his concept of fitting the words in was better. Mm Mm-hmm. This is one of those cases where being too competitive or playing the game too seriously ends up being a detriment because of the way the voting works. Yeah, you can't really care who wins in this game or you'll be playing it all day long. If you're playing this fast and loose, you don't really care and you're just trying to have fun making like weird things fit into other things. And if it just loosely fits you okay and laugh about it, it could be a fun game. Yeah, but is that even a game at that point? <laughs> Later games of this style solved the problem like apples to apples by making the subjectivity take turns. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're playing the judge. In that case, you know you have a certain judge in a different each turn. You can play cards thinking what that judge will think this is cool, right? Right. 
Right. And it encourages this it encourages the judgment to be fair. Because usually the judge is not getting the points and not getting the points. So it's like you want to be fair and impartial so other people will be fair and impartial to him later. Yeah, so this game has none of that. <laughs> it didn't solve that problem. <laughs> the good thing about this game is the fun of lining it up and everybody gets to think about where to put their cards. That part is fun. Now, before you're in a pickle, before you trigger that thing which causes people to judge the next few cards. Pickle round, pickle round. The pickle round when there's four cards in a row. So before that happens, you can actually put something underneath the stack that's smaller than the thing before it, too. But when the pickle round comes around, you have to do something that's bigger than the last thing played. So hold on to some big cards in your hand because you may need them for those pickle rounds. And usually those cards are concepts rather than objects. You know, if I say, you know, if I say tractor trailer, you know, hope is bigger than a tractor trailer. Is it? Because if you're going to crash that tractor trailer. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, exactly. There is no hope. <laughs> you come up with some pretty flimsy stuff sometimes because of your hand, which is great. I, the entertainment value for that is, is pretty high. <laughs> yes, because some of your explanations are truly desperate. <laughs> Yeah, because you have to explain why they're connected. And just saying, well, hope is bigger than a tractor trailer, that's not enough. You have to, why is hope bigger yeah. than a tractor trailer? And, yeah. And making somebody do that explanation, it's the fun of the game. The flailing factor it might be the really only fun part of this game that I have. <laughs> it is, yeah, it, it is fun to desperately watch somebody grimly try to explain how a giraffe fits inside a refrigerator. Yeah, you chop it up and uh, make giraffe patties out of it. Uh, (laughs) Well, there's a giraffe magnet on my fridge, therefore. So it's very subjective, as you can see. Extremely. We didn't spend any time talking about the look of this game, and that's because it's about as basic as you can get. Black letters on a white card with an arrow. The arrow is blue, though. Ooh, three colors. The cards aren't unattractive, though. No. No, they're clear. They're concise. They certainly service the game. And I don't require a lot from my word games when it comes to graphics. Oftentimes, word games with graphics, graphics can get in the way. Yeah, they're too fancy with the words. You can't really read them well from across the table. That's the problem. This one's just one or two giant words in the middle of the card with a big arrow pointing down. It's, It's serviceable. Speaking of a big arrow pointing down. (laughs) (laughs) It's time, explorers, to dig up or bury in a pickle. Mike? I won the game, but did any of us really win? (laughs) (laughs) Subjective and competitive together is a recipe for disaster, so bury it before you lose a friend. Evan? Most games that allow for this level of subjectiveness start to lose the ability to actually call itself a game. I'll bury this game, if it even is a game. Ed? The game-based concept isn't bad. It can be fun to describe how hope is bigger than everything. But the rules for challenging just ruin this game. Bury it. Even with the advantage of my bias toward word games, this game was too messy conceptually and clunky in mechanics to grab me. I'm afraid in a pickle fits nicely in the ground. Bury it. Evan, where can you find this game? It's available online, mostly at used game shops. You find it anywhere from about 10 bucks to 20 bucks. If you have thoughts about In a Pickle, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And last but not least, Which Game First this week? Evan? In a Pickle has to be first. Get it out of the way. <laughs> Mike? 
definitely Age of Steam. I'm not going to lie like Evan did. <laughs> Ed? Oh, for me, definitely Age of Steam. The others are not even contenders. Based on hearing you guys talk, I am going with Age of Steam. Plus, I hate getting hungry when I play games. <laughs> the only one that doesn't have food involved in it. Nice. Nice choice. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you would like more perks and content from this show, including our brand new podcast exclusive to patrons called Bonus Ports, you could go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a review, a rating, a shout out anywhere online. It really helps others find the show. Happy gaming, explorers! A pickle is not a cucumber, nor is it a zucchini. Unless it's a pickle zucchini. It's over. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs>